Hello, and welcome back to a very special episode of X Rental, where, well, despite us being a podcast that's focused solely on 90s video shop experiences, decided that we would have the best idea to uh, provide you with our top fives and top films of 2023, which technically in this imaginary video shop that Ash initially started creating for us uh, would obviously not exist. But, you know, much like a lot of the films of the 90s, we're not that concerned with narrative and plot, plot and logical sense, and we're going to continue to plug on and tell you what we liked that came out this year. Ash, how the devil are you? I'm very good. And just to add on to exactly what you were saying, the the preface, the preface mm. of this is very much, I mean, I don't know about you, Bradley, but I've taken it with the approach of how I've approached X-Rental in general, which is this isn't a best of episode. This is like favourites. This is the kind of stuff I'm like 30 years from now, will I be re-watching this and talking it talking about these films with a reverence? Because there are films that have been released this year that have been on a technical level phenomenal. But there are films that are slightly less technical, which I've enjoyed a lot more as a result. I'm going purely from the heart for everything that I discuss. Covering my arse straight away when people start going, oh, that's, where, where's, where's Miyazaki? Now, listen here, right, as as a man who's who's had a career in podcasting where people consistently um, come after you for not saying things or not saying the right things or covering the things that they expect you to cover, uh, no amount of prefacing or prefacing will save you from such scorn. And uh, if anyone has any issues with Ash's stuff, please direct it directly to him over and over again. Cyberbully. The ha- let's bring it back in 2024 bring back <laughs> cyberbullying uh in a big way i can't think of a person more more fitting for a, a good old bout of swirlies down the toilet but digitally than sure. ash ward why not it's been such a great end of the year for me why not just just pile it on, pile it on. Let's just see. pile on the fucking let's, misery let's see how much you can take <laughs> shall we um so- what we're yes. really going to do, though, we're not, you know, we could just be an other podcast who's just going to list 10 of their favourite films, but we're not. We're just going to give you our top five at the end, but we're going to give you like some categories first. We're going to set up because there's, I mean, like, I, I feel like the best way to start this all off, Brad, what did you think of 2023 as a film year? We all know it was a hellhole, much like the last five years, but for, as a film year, does this go down as a good one? doesn't strike me as a particularly good one this year when i think back at there are some outstanding contributions to cinema this year and some stuff that i do think as you say will be worth a revisit in years to come am i have i been enthused you know i I didn't do london film festival this year i didn't do a lot of what i would normally do uh i feel although i've you know watched over 750 films this year i feel quite disconnected from cinema at the moment and i don't feel the passion everything feels more like a, a, a chore than a, a pleasure at the moment so that could just be me i'm going to pivot to uh right-wing propaganda soon i think would be the next I mean, logical logical step i think for me it's been coming it's been brewing it's been brewing i just feel like if, if we had to pick who yeah. in the left week left most film landscape was most likely to pivot yeah i don't um, really have values is my issue i really do align with the left's you know plights but i can be easily bought as evidenced by the great <laughs> by the great david tattoo on my leg exactly. the rest of my life so you know there are there is you know I, i'm happy to be the shapiro shill of 2024 why not eh? 
um, there is the clip of the show going out on Instagram. Get <laughs> yeah, them all listening. They all run and I. So um, I, I actually think it's been really good. Sure. I I've, I've, I think it's been a really, really good yet. Yeah, what, what I will say is I don't think there's been one film which has been an absolute humdinger. But there's been lots of very good films. The four, the, the four stars have been just getting dished the fuck out this Ooh. year from me. Um, but there's no fives. No fives. It takes a lot not, to get a five. Not out a single film for out of you. No, not, not a film for no five. I dodged a couple of fives out. Yeah, you easily bought, as you said. Exactly. It's all yeah. studio interference. Exactly. Paramount scum. to me. Subhuman scum. Mm. No, I do think it's been a good year. But So if we're going to be boiling down to brass tacks as such yeah. let's get onto these little fucking categories shall we because sure. uh, I, I think it was it's, it's a nice way to be able to discuss a myriad of films that have been released this year without having to go oh yeah but you know maybe i'd like to talk more about i've got more to say about my 14th favorite film of the year than i do my number six for example right so with that in mind what do you what would you say was your best debut film this year debut filmmaker who are you going okay. with okay so there's a few options uh the one of them is in the top five so i'm gonna skip that one out but know that that, is the, that is the answer but it's in the top five so are we going to be honorably mentioning the shit out throughout this oh it's going to be it's going to be insufferable um but my favorite debut of the year favorite is a strong word because i had a really bad time with this film uh, and that is How to Have Sex by Molly Manning Walker. Oh, I've heard so many good things about this. I didn't get a chance to see it because it didn't show up. It didn't show where I was, but I've... No, tell her, it showed, but like one showing at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday or something. But I've heard... No, no, they announced it on the Monday or something oh, silly like that. Amazing. It was daft, but I've heard real fuckery about this. This no, is... No pun intended. Uh, this is a... Uh, a, a, a captivating and interesting film about three young british teenagers who go on a sort of like a rites of passage holiday to uh the seventh circle of hell that is ayanapa or s somewhere like that basically it's one of those sort of 18 to 30 club rep sort of shagaloof type holiday destinations that to me even if nothing happened that was bad uh would be the embodiment of hell like it's something that within every fiber of my being i turn away from um and they basically go into clubbing and stuff and one of the girls is a virgin and she's kind of ridiculed for that and the film follows um her journey as she goes through this sort of dirty weekend away uh and looks at a, a multitude of different facets of sort of the young adult life and coming of age in those regards with some quite tough and troubling subject matters in terms of consent and uh some sort of bits that basically made me as a, and i'm sure a lot of the other viewers both male and female deeply uncomfortable but it's a a, a vital and interesting piece of of cinema discussing a topic that you know most pearl clutchers at the moment don't want to talk about at all oh not sex Ooh. No. <laughs> uh but yeah it's well worth your time when you get a chance to see it yeah that's the, it's very much on the list and uh it, it it's a bit rapey isn't it it's a bit rapey, yeah. It is a bit rapey, yeah. Yeah. Um, trigger warnings, et cetera, et cetera. It, it deals with sexual assault or, or yeah. um, it, it, it more dabbles with the, the grey area of consent and it's uh, it makes for some pretty uncomfortable viewing where you just want to kind of like jump into the screen and say, stop, <laughs> stop. Yeah. 
Um, it but don't sound don't sound like a Maltesers and popcorn movie. No, it's not more a Sunday of, afternoon. No, no it's, it's more a, of it's more of a um, Wednesday bounce. night. Get it's over more, the hump. Yeah, it's more like a bounty and an a Horlex before bed. Oh. If you want to have a bad night, you know, oh. a restless night. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my pick is the complete opposite. <laughs> it is very much the opposite because uh, my favourite debut film this year was uh, Rain Allen Miller's Rye Lane. Um, you can see it on Disney in the UK now, which is uh, which is I nice. It's it's right at your fingertips, uh, and it follows two youngsters reeling from bad breakups who connect over a particularly eventful day in South London, and honestly, it is just such a sweet surprise that manages to encapsulate what works for the romantic comedy genre, whilst also adding a British spin for once that isn't completely rooted in the upper classes in West London. Uh, it, it, it's it's very firmly South London. Like, no one get. I don't think anyone gets called a jar, which you know was a, a word that I was recently introduced to eight years ago. Uh, but that's a very South London thing. Someone's a jar. Uh, but I digress. It's. I just think the performances are just really, really lovely. Um, there's a chemistry that sizzles, but also plays off of each other really playfully. There's. Um, you know, it doesn't really go down that there's something about Mary root of gross out comedy, but there's very, very funny moments. There's uh, some nice surprises for fans of the genre as well. Uh, I, I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to the genre itself. You know, I love a bit of four weddings and a funeral, but, you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days, not for me. And that's fine. Uh, but yeah, this I just thought it was genuinely delightful and nice to see amongst the, the usual kind of British fare that we do get. Just have something that's a bit more lighthearted whilst also very, very good. I'm looking at you, greatest days. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even see greatest days this year. Not, one, it was not great. <laughs> it was one of the ones I decided cooler heads prevailed. Yeah, uh, I echo what you say. I, I loved Riley Lane. I thought it was really infectiously charming, and I think it's has a level of authenticism to authenticism, authenticism, authenticism uh, to it that that feels very true and very. You know, like sometimes things feel cloying and trite. Yes. You know, once like once we had attacked the block, everything became kind of a, a clone of that, and it seemed very try hardy to be kind of edgy urban London. Whereas uh, this feels like a sort of multicultural boiling pot of of South London. And as someone who lived ten minute walk away from Rye Lane, it was really nice just to see a, an area that I'd lived in for ten years uh, be represented on screen in in such a a, a beautifully fun and positive positive way positive yeah. like because normally it's you know fucking top boy chef you up it's the most positive description of peckham since only falls on horses, only falls on horses. <laughs> and <laughs> even then the it was all there. very backhanded in only falls on horses it always had an air of yeah but not that lot <laughs> yeah uh but no really i really liked Ryan lane it was in the conversation for favorite debut as well but sex always trumps bread just doesn't seem like it's a good sex. <laughs> no, but it's an in, it's a good it's a good film regardless. Uh, were there, uh, what were your other honourable mentions as well for that one? Because I know you said Rylane was up there. Was there any others that kind of stood out? Um, well, one it, I'm still not going to talk about because it's in my top five. Um, the only other one was um, a film called Femme. Oh, yep. Which was a, a derived from a short film uh, by Samuel H. Freeman and 
uh, Chinping. And that's a fucking great sort of British psychosexual thriller, um, kind of very De Palma-esque in its presentation. Uh, and I've just realized that it, it was one of my answers for another one of the questions. So I may have to now pivot my answer. That's okay. That's, that's okay. all right. Uh, I was scrambling round quickly as well because uh, there was I, I was thinking about Blackberry, but that was his second because he did the Kevin Smith produced movie at some point as well. Um, no, I'll tell you what was I did really like uh, was a film called uh, I Like Movies. Did you get? A oh chance yeah, to see that? no, I didn't get a chance to see this. But yeah, I heard it's really I, good. Kind of one of those you know 2022 2023 crossover films depending on where you lived in the world um but chanda levac it's a it's essentially it's about a socially awkward 17 year old who works in a video shop so this brad this, this, <laughs> this podcast the movie essentially and i think that's what i messaged you after i'd seen it was you need to watch this it's unfortunately us um, no, no, but it's more you than me yeah, no, mm. I'm more socially. I think I'm more socially adept than you. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm like a chameleon. I can just slide in wherever. Ugh, careful. Sounds awful. Sounds Ugh. terrible. Sounds. Te- I mean, you've just proved my point right there with that comment. Yeah, yeah. I'm not very good at thinking on my toes. Really. <laughs> no, I don't know why you've got into the podcast game, mate. I'll be honest with you. This last, this stuff lasts forever. Because I need to share my misery with everyone else. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Um, so, what's the next we... subject of conversation? Oh, for... You can pick. I've forgotten what they are, so you, you have to tell me. Brilliant. I guess I'll be setting up this half of the uh, the, the podcast. <laughs> you do all the questioning, I'll do the answering. What was your biggest surprise, be it a film or performance, or what? It doesn't have to be a good surprise. It could be a bad surprise. Yeah, this was um, this was a very not helpful question because it can be obviously interpreted in many ways. I believe this is what I had Fem down as um, because I do think it's a surprisingly interesting. And, and surprisingly affecting uh, film about also a, a, a whole host of, of subject matters. But as I've briefly mentioned it, I am going to say that my biggest surprise was how good Rosman Pike was in Saltburn. Oh, I did not see Saltburn because yeah. everyone everyone coated it off. I thought fucking Saltburn was great. That now Emerald Emerald Fennell has, has come under a culture war of such. Yes, because you know they're basically saying you're a massive fucking Tory, and you made a film about Tories being terrorised by working class people. Um, and in in a way, that is a reading of the film. And there's many readings of the way that the film can be, you know, interpreted. And certainly, Emerald Fennell has come from stock. Certainly, has had backing, and you know, knows Richard E. Grant personally before she was a filmmaker. So it's not like she's struggled to get where she is. So, you know, the kind of triteness of making a eat the rich film seems a bit that, that is what people have taken umbrage with is the fact that um, she's dared to make an eat the rich film being someone who is for, clearly from means and money. But uh, like we should do with most things, unless it's certain filmmakers separating the art from the artist, I don't think you can really hate someone for having privilege that much that you would then completely disregard their film. I thought Saltburn was a really interesting take on almost like a home invasion movie i think barry keogh's performance as the sort of interloper that goes into this terribly posh london you know terribly posh money house and kind of destroys it from the inside out using various means is a really interesting and incendiary way of looking at the eat the rich narrative but also 
being quite playful with it and also kind of pretty kinky and pretty sexy at times as well. That's, that's and, mainly the stuff I've heard. <laughs> is the what? Kinky, sexy stuff? Is the kinky, sexy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you love a bit of kinky, sexy stuff. Yeah, you, you all the butt stuff. All the butt uh, well, stuff. some butt stuff. Some uh, but Rosamund Pike in this film is so good as playing the kind of like mummy matriarch. Like, oh, I'm, I've got a terrible hatred for ugliness. You know, like she's got that like waspy bullshit down to an absolute fucking T. I always uh, think she's really good. She is like she's great in Gone Girl, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it surprised me at how good she was in in Saltburn. And I guess that goes across the whole cast because I think Jacob Elodie, who's obviously going to be the next fucking that could be my surprise because I didn't know he was it, not American. Right. No. I'm now I'm questioning whether he's Australian now, but I because obviously Priscilla was was his other big role. It was this and Priscilla outside of Euphoria, where he's had like his transition from the small screen to the big screen. Yeah. Um, I thought he was an American guy. <laughs> and then I saw an interview of him, I was like, oh. That's he a... English or Australian? He's something. He's one of the two. But he's basically this year's Austin Butler, but with more talent. So. Hey, that's, that's mean. To what? Comparing him to Austin Butler at all? Or. Yeah, that, like sounds, to... that sounded harsh to Austin Butler. Austin Butler seems... I liked Austin Butler in Elvis. And... Oh, I can't wait to see him in June where he's like, put him in the Sarlacc pit, baby. <laughs> is that him? He, Austin Butler is in Fuck June. I was, I was watching the trailer and I was like, where do I know that guy from? And I think I actually watched the trailer after I saw the latest Masters of the Air trailer as well, which he's like... Because he is a ridiculously good-looking man. Yeah. Starting to see why I didn't see it. So he's he's in he's in he's, dunk. He's, he's that guy in dunk. He's like powder. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, hey baby, why don't you ride this big sand woman with me? Yeah. Oh my little Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only June thing I could ever offer up because I thought it was a definite uh, a perfectly okay film. <laughs> I, I mean I yeah. Boredom is yeah. the mind killer, not fit. Yes. Um but yes, yeah, so but, but Jacob Alordi. <laughs> Jacob Alordi, great in it as well. But yeah, yeah. Saltburn was a surprise. A sp- similarly as well, because I'd heard, oh, it's terrible. It's not terrible. It's a very fun and watchable movie. This happened with Pro- uh, Promising Young Woman, though, as well. That Same had thing, all, yeah. It had all, the, all of the momentum up until release. Then it was released and people like praised it. But then within a week, the backlash kicked in real quick. Now, I still think that is a really fucking good film. I, um, saw, I saw a press screening, not even a press screening, like a test screening where I had to lie. Yeah, they were like, they were like, you involved in the film industry? I was like, not really. So I got, I saw it like an, a year before it came not out. Not with any weight. No, no, yeah, <laughs> no one listens. <laughs> um, so I've only ever seen like a test cut version of it. So I don't even know if it's the same version that came out because oh. I've not revisited it. But I, I liked it. I liked it when I saw it. Yeah, I still uh, so, think it's excellent, and uh, it, it brought back Paris Hilton's uh, Stars Are Blind, which is an absolute fucking great song. <laughs> yeah, stop being poor. And also, um, if, we, if we learned anything from test screenings from when we got fucking high noomed into seeing Fantastic Beasts and Fantastic Beasts and, yeah, the second one, having not seen the first one, and then finding that all of our opinions aligned with actual Harry Potter fans in the screening, and they still changed fucking nothing. <laughs> I never saw it. I never saw the final cut of it, so I don't oh, know. Oh, no, so I asked my... I, I read, like, the Wikipedia breakdown, and they have kept... They kept everything, everything beat for beat. They just didn't change. I did think when we were watching it, this seems very far along. Um, but this isn't a Harry Potter podcast because 
sorry, that's another thing for for you to direct your uh, digital ire at. Uh, I fucking hate Harry Potter. So yeah. uh, as you can imagine, that was a rough two and a half hours. That was yeah, because especially because we thought it was something else. Like we thought it was going to be. We like thought it was the Meg. We thought it was absolutely bang on going to be the Meg because it was um, like a summer blockbuster. It was summer blockbuster. It was I want to say Warner. Yeah, Maybe something was, like that. We were yeah. like convinced it was going to be the Meg, and then it was not the Meg. It is uh, Warner, yeah. We, we, we could have fixed the Meg given if they'd listened to us. Yeah. Especially yeah. you. You're like the Meg expert. The Meg's. I'm still fucking angry, Bradley. It'll be <laughs> I, all right. I didn't read all seven Meg books to have that slop of shit put on my fucking plate. Uh, but bringing it back to 2023, Meg 2, better, still shit. Yeah. Better, still shit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, better, still um, shit. What's your biggest surprise? So, uh, speaking of things that we have been vocally disliking mm. <laughs> during X-Men, or uh, is our distaste of superhero films. So, when I say that my biggest surprise was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, one of the biggest and highest grossing films of the year, mm. just how much of a surprise can it be? But that, that I feel like... It's contextually a surprise because yeah, you're it's renowned been... for being off cape shit and have been off cape shit for many years yeah i've been i'm over it i think everything post endgame has been absolutely appalling with the exception of hawkeye and the reason why hawkeye was great is because it was basically removed all of the cape shit and made lethal weapon and i'm like yeah i'm, I'm happy the same way when, when there's when there's diehard clones which we will discuss ad infinitum across the 90s uh and lethal weapon is a good film to clone um and in this case a tv show uh, but yeah, everything has been so bad from Loki to WandaVision to everything involving the multiverse has been mm. horrible. Um, but I also wasn't, I didn't like Guardians 2. So that we're, we're bringing it back to the last phase. I thought Guardians 2 was poor. Uh, I wasn't enamored with the Suicide Squad. It was better than Suicide Squad, but it wasn't good. Mm. Uh, I thought Peacemaker, the TV show, was great, however. Um, fun, but yeah. I've always liked James Gunn because I think Slither's great. Super's great. The first Guardians film is one of the only ones that really holds up to repeat viewings for me anyway. Um, so for all of this, and I'm kind of ready just to sit down and go, look, this is a tick box exercise here. There's nothing else on because it's it's got 37 showings a day. Bank so holiday. I can't see anything else. Like Easter time, wasn't it? It came out. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, I'll go and see it just so I'm still part of the uh, the zeitgeist. Uh, and then I cried my eyes out for a, <laughs> pretty much the entire fucking time. It, I thought it was a really lovely swan song. I thought it captured the characters brilliantly versus especially part two where it split them all up. Um, I thought, the, again, the soundtrack, fucking brilliant. I just, I was very, very surprised to find myself emotionally invested again in a marvel film so that was my biggest surprise and the fact that it's in i think it actually snuck into my top 10 and also great villain marvel doesn't hasn't had that for a while outside of thanos mm. um well they just lost another one well <laughs> arguably the villain yes, yes. Oh but yeah Really, really liked it. Tremendous send-off. Uh, and it also ends on a song by The Replacements. And that makes me very, very happy. I tell you what, it's like sometimes it's so easy. Just the right music sting. It's gross point blank all over again. You'll, you'll, literally, you'll literally just forgive anything for it. Um, but I did think it was... Uh, I was annoyed at how unreasonably upset I was about a CGI raccoon. 
Like, there's no re like, I don't want to feel that. So why have you made me feel it? It's out of order, really. Yeah, it was a piss take. Um, but yeah, I thought it was certainly the best cape share of the year. Easy, like low bar, obviously. Um, but it was surprisingly sweet and affecting. And it was nice to kind of almost go back to basics with them, right? And, and realize that the reason why the first one is so sort of popular and, and, and holds up to his watches is because the chemistry between those characters mm. works so well. And splitting them up in part two is a cardinal sin because they all need to bounce off each other. So it's nice it was nice nice enough it really didn't good make... chris pratt performance as well, i thought i thought he was genuinely really good and as someone who don't doesn't like chris pratt chris pratt uh again there's a surprise. surprise for you yeah big surprise, big surprise. double, double big surprise. surprise oh and i think one of the things that worked in its favor is that and it was probably by design is it just had no involvement with the wide world that they created this yeah, was a this was a singular story contained specifically to to those characters exactly it was contained there was no multiverse bullshit there was uh, you know you get the odd setup here and there but it's one of those things where it, the, the narrative doesn't hinge on that which is what everything else seems to have done mm. uh, they haven't learned from the lessons of you know you know build the foundations first and then people will be invested in your overarching story, especially as I just read the MCU book because I'm a glutton for punishment to figure out what went wrong. Um, and all of it was an accident. So you think they'd learn from that happy accident and go, okay, well, let's, let's plan it. Too many but cuts. Yeah. But ultimately what, what, what made these films work was there. The film stood on their own for so long. Yeah. Uh, and, and then um, kind of tied it like retro, retrofittedly came together. Exactly. Whereas we're now at a stage where, you can't make that because we haven't made this yet. Oh, and you also you do don't forget the seventeen TV shows that yeah, you've got, got to watch. watch them, otherwise, because yeah. I watched the Marvels and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I <laughs> I also watched Marvels. I also had no idea, but I did like Camilla Khan. So it's like, do that, do that, <laughs> do that. More that, of that. That's what that's what the TV show is, isn't it? The, I'm not going to watch Marvel. the TV show. I want to watch the film. <laughs> sure, uh, <laughs> they're right. already too long as it is without making me watch eight hours worth. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, I'm missed, notoriously anti-TV, so that, that's a moot point for me. Oh, don't uh, really know it. What's the next section? What's the next uh, question? The next one. What was the best film that you saw this year that you never want to watch again? Oh, I had an answer for this, didn't I? Oh, yeah. No, I remember. Um, it's always polite to eat whilst recording. <laughs> it's not eating, it's chewing. It's different. And craving nicotine. It's masticating. I love and I've already told you about all the eating that you're not allowed to do whilst recording. Eating and abetting. Um, I have chosen Bo is Afraid as the film that I thought was good, but I am very happy to never watch again. Um, mainly because of how uneven Bo is Afraid actually is. I think the first hour of Bo is Afraid is amazing and it does such a great job at correct, like portraying social anxiety, especially in a post-pandemic world. I think it's a really interesting take on being that kind of fear of uh, sort of agoraphobic in, uh, as such, because you just don't know what the fuck is outside that front door and what nutters. I had someone outside my front door yesterday screaming for about 45 minutes for no reason. Just screaming. Sometimes you just got to do it. You just got to. You, you've got to be wandering around. You have to attack the void. And just scream into it, scream yeah. directly into it. So I get that. And then we get this middle bit, which goes way too Terry Gilliam for my liking. And I'm out. I'm not really interested in all the forest people and all the theatre. And it kind of wraps itself back around and kind of oborously eats itself into being good again when we get into the kind of psychosexual element uh, without going into too much spoilies. Um, 
with the kind of overarching narrative with the mother. Um, as it's someone a who's had a, on your three picks, <laughs> I tell you what, as someone who's got a complex relationship with their mother, uh, mummy trauma is always going to be chomping, chomping at the bit for me. Did you see Bo is Afraid? I did. And would you be surprised that it changed my mind on Ariaster? So that you don't like him? I still don't like him. <laughs> I It wasn't for me. I mm. thought it was very, very obvious that he had written this pre-hereditary. This is an idea that he's not been able to shake. It still feels very much... Yeah, it feels very... It felt very much like the film of someone who was still a bit wet behind the ears. Yeah, and and, and I felt that he was too close to it. I know that's really stupid to say because it's obviously a personal project. It, I mean, all of his films are very not subtle in the, uh, you know, very much a Garth Maggie subtext is for cowards kind of thing. I know, I know. All of subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's interesting though, as, as Ariasa was brave enough, I think, to to basically say like the stuff that I search on the internet is a veritable fucking minefield. Like, I, if you yeah. looked at my incognito Ariasa's incognito mode searches, you're fucking air term white. I think like. Look at, <laughs> Well, there's Ariaster's film. That's his fourth film. Yeah, just going through safe searches and he's interesting because you know I don't I don't like I like the first half of Hereditary. I don't like the second half all that much. I didn't like Midsummer. Boas Afraid again. It was it was a a mess. It was a Southland Tales style mess. But I appreciate that I appreciate that he swings for the fences and I appreciate that he's kind of got this cachet where he's afforded the opportunity to do it i just am still waiting for that film where i'll be like oh now i see what everyone sees yeah the, the richard kelly effect yeah, <laughs> yeah. even though uh, he's gonna end up making the box and then disappear uh, I, which I, I i rewatched recently uh yeah, yeah it's, still, it's still bad <laughs> it's not great is it frank langell is good in it though yeah hold yeah. half face good, good old skeletal yeah good boy um but yeah so Bo is afraid was was interesting i had fun with it uh until i didn't and then i did again uh, but you know it, he did a director's cut of Midsommar which was like 12 minutes longer and changed it to be fair did change the overarching narrative slightly and it, and it made it I think a, a better watch in the director's cut if there's apparently a four and a half five hour cut of Bo is Afraid if that comes out as a special edition or whatever I'm not going to watch it yeah, let's just let's just let's just call it exactly what it is it's the work print yeah because... it's, all the, it's all the bits where they were like you need like, this needs to be We'll let yeah. you have three hours, but it can't be any longer than that. <laughs> I, I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see like someone from the outside edit. Bo is afraid a really talented editor to yeah, see if they can minutes. shape it, shape it, and kind of remove. Because as I say, he's he's too close to it, and you could tell there was parts that could easily have been exercised, which he just decided, he, he obviously couldn't let go of. We've all we've all done it. We've all been there. Uh, Song, songwriting ability yeah, and, and those sort of things where we were both yeah. in bands where we were like fighting for songs nah this one's really good and it's not is it though 10 years down the line I absolutely um, yep right decision but at the time <laughs> too close too close no, to it too close um, uh, so mine was uh, yeah. one of the best films of the year comfortably um, but it's just it was just you know I didn't have a great time <laughs> because it's impossible to have a great time when you're watching Killers of the Flower Moon uh, because it's just a slow, unfolding slasher film against an entire populace. And a, ge- a genocide. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's, it's, it's not fun. It, I mean, it, it's there are moments which are funny, which is which took me kind of <laughs> off guard in places. Yeah. yeah, but for the most part, it's just one of those things where you like all the stuff that I knew about what had happened to indigenous people turns out was like 30 percent of how bad it actually was oh yeah and i mean when, as they say history is written by the victors like yeah it's just like it's just just a little thing like when someone says a race of people were slaughtered my mind conjures up waves of people coming in with their with guns and taking out all the indigenous people and it's over in an afternoon and then this is our land now not this insidious slow worming into their society and just eating it from the out from the inside out oh it was so gross and just so yucky and and then you see like country singers turning up and you're like oh cool there's Sergio Simpson oh he's a cunt I mean if, if, just, they were, if they were white in that film then they're yeah a they're, they're a cunt like yeah unless you're Jesse Plemons and even then even then still <laughs> even then. took a while didn't it <laughs> But no, really, really fucking great movie. Perfectly paced. I didn't, I didn't really feel the three hours at all. It's just one of those things where, you know, I'm sure I will eventually watch it again, but I'm not particularly not in rushing. that much of a rush to. Yeah, you're not rushing. I don't blame you. I mean, it, it, it is a slog, but it, 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 like, as you say, pacing-wise, doesn't feel it at all. It just, it, it's an emotional slog. It takes you on a, a journey which kind of sits in your soul rather than in your butt you know like when you butt and you're getting it you're yeah. your little little twitching the bucks you're like oh, i'm fucking bored i had it with ferrari i was like can we hurry this up ferrari's not in the top five then <laughs> no ferrari didn't make the top five although i made, does, a, I made a good shout on missing that one then yeah although it does make it does make the top one for funniest car crashes of the year Honestly. oh the one in the trailer well there's two there's two and both okay. of them are so funny <laughs> uh. They're so funny. Completely not meant to be funny, but yeah. very funny. Nothing worse than when you're driving along and you get blue shelled. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a me, Ferrari. <laughs> it's a me, Enzo. <laughs> He's not driving that. It's some other bloke, some fucking well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't, would you? Well, you I'll, I'll give you all the money, but I'm not taking the fucking risk. <laughs> well, I mean, you but, could, we could get into... Yeah, the, the, the thing that shocked me the most is how they managed to get Adam Driver's ears to not stick out. Oh, I think they, I don't great. know whether they peed, pinned him back or if they CGI'd him. Great pinning back. Great pinning back. You think it's a pin back? Yeah, it's got to be. It's Michael Mann. He, he's hands on, isn't he? He is hands on. He's tactile. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. There you go. We've, we've digressed again. Lovely. Yes, lovely. But um, I think it's thinking of, uh, you know, films that, films that we never want to watch again. We, we kind of want to focus on the positive. Sure. But except for this one bit, because I feel like occasionally a pylon is absolutely worth it. Um, I wonder if we've got the same answer for this one, but what was your biggest stinker of the year? So I'll be honest with you. When you pose these questions to me prior to recording, I believe my response was, oh, I've got loads. Um, but I've since not whittled it down. So why don't you do your first one? And I will work out what my biggest thing is. I I don't like to really dwell on the negative. I used to make a bottom yeah. ten of the year. I don't do that anymore. Same. I've tapped out. It's reductive. Um, but the, I think we're allowed to give one film a kick in. So why don't you? I'm going to do... give two though because you know they're oh, from mass, they're from massive companies and massive they can IPs. Take it. They can take it. They can take it. They've made a fucking fault. Well. One of them seems to have made a fortune. <laughs> the other one, maybe not so much. Uh, but sure. the dishonorable mention goes to Wonka, which uh, I really, really fucking hated. 
um, had it was like someone sticking nails under my fingernails for two hours and uh, just a colossal misunderstanding of that character in every way, shape or form. I say that as someone who absolutely adored Paddington 1 and 2, I could see what he tried to do. It was the wrong property to do it in. But that's that. My biggest stinker, and it pains me to say it, was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, a film which you saw in the theatre with, with me. You. The only with time me. we've been in together, I think the only time we for did while. cinema together. For a this while, year, yeah. Least, oh, for, yeah. For this year, absolutely, yeah. Yes. So I, I like James Mangold. You know, I obviously I prefer your Coplands and stuff like that than I do your Wolverines. Uh-huh. And I love Indiana Jones. I think he is one of the greatest characters to be put to celluloid. I think it's just a, a perfect throwback to those serial adventures from the 30s. And I'm also one of the few that doesn't actually mind Crystal Skull. I think it's got problems. It's I do fine. think it's, 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 a, it's, it's a fine, it's, it's fine and it's got fun elements and it's also got really stupid elements that don't work. I think Spielberg would be the first person to hold his hands up to admit that. Mm. I found myself getting more and more irritated, as you can attest to, the more this film went on. I think it was like, it went on from being kind of like, this is kind of daft, to what the fuck is this? This is this is this is dumb as shit. I was audibly cursing by the end. Luckily, there weren't a lot of people in our screen, and it was a really big screen, and we were quite spread out, so we we're all good. Uh, I finished my Maltesers at that point. I was livid. It is an ugly, cynical, embarrassing ending for one of cinema's most iconic characters. Uh, I hated, hated it, and I can't bear to the thought of ever revisiting it. Um, so we're just going to put that in the category of uh, film. Uh, series that should have ended on three well yeah obviously um so i'd firstly like to rebuke your wonka criticism i quite enjoyed wonka i had a nice time with it i think there's some interesting bits and pieces in it um, i think the songs were fucking dog shit i don't remember the songs I exactly do, apparently exactly <laughs> so i've i've gone through and uh although indiana jones is in the conversation there is only one film from 2023 that i rated half a star um, it is also That's like a, film. a real bad one as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, uh, my one stars are a who's who of it not being good as well, which is good. Uh, I but don't my... think I've ever given half a star. Sorry, I just want to interject. I don't think I've ever seen one which I'm like deplorable. Okay. <laughs> well, you didn't see Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Ah. Uh, yeah. Now, great. Is it not bad enough that you got attacked on one podcast for this that we're going <laughs> we're to... I'm going to double down. It's traversing. <laughs> I'm going to double down. Um, a bit of context for listeners that don't know, I do a, a, a thing called Fresh Blood, which is like a weekly, a monthly review show on Evolution Horror. I hadn't even done my review yet. I just put on Letterboxd, <laughs> stay, tuned, stay tuned for the next one. Mike, then, The same glib thing that you usually put on Letterboxd. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I said something about the DCP, the, the screening, the, the DCP failed th- four times or whatever. And maybe that was a sign from the cinematic gods. But um, they then complained, some people that were associated with the film, that I was going to be too harsh on the film. Uh, and to which I would say, uh, don't make a misogynist piece of shit. And then maybe I won't need to be horrible about it. Uh, I don't want to give it too much airtime. I'll be honest with you. It is the worst, my lowest rated film of the year. A standby that is the worst film I've seen this year it is terrible. But I would also like to give a little special shout out while we're on the subject of being negative to the Exorcist Believer. Oh, 
I didn't think it was as bad as everyone oh, said, but I also I'm kind of awful. You know when I'm like, you know when you're like, I don't necessarily agree, but I also don't feel strongly enough to to say that those people are wrong. <laughs> you can't you can't fight that. There you are can't. moments that are good, but there are also a lot yes. more moments that are very very bad. <laughs> Justice for Ellen Burstyn, baby. They dug her oh. up wherever she was happily crocheting. They put her in a horrible jumper and they said, "Come here." On the plus side, the school's benefited. Because she, because she said, do we, "I'll do it on the basis that you give me a ridiculous salary, which is then going to be donated to these schools in the south or something like that." Well, that I mean, that's great. I'm that's really lovely. happy. Uh, but you know, don't do like, that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't then go. All right, sure. Uh, blind. How do you feel about <laughs> scissors? <laughs> Awful. And you know, yeah. th- there's, there's more. You know, another one. I film just one more because this, this film that's barely, fine. this film barely exists in my mind. Uh, ghosted. Oh, not good. Not a fi- that is like with the grey man. Just those yeah. films you're like, oh they're yeah, not, that happened. They're films, but they're not films. Like no. it's it's AI. Yeah. It's an AI generated. It's an algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I- Ghosted and the Grey Man would be my honourable yeah. mentions because was the Grey Man this year? Yeah, this year. Christ, that feels like four years ago. Nah, that was not great. Year. How dare you do that to Ryan Gosling? I know. And how dare you One do that to Anna de Armas? Actors. Yeah. Chris Evans. We, yeah. These actors are people that were cl- the closest we've got to Cary Grant, and you make it, you put them in nothing burger films. <laughs> it's almost like the Russos are fucking shit. <laughs> it's almost and th- th- that is a, a something else. Where Ghosted was Dexter Fletcher, right? Something like that. Yeah. Stick to press gang, son. Yeah, but wasn't it the Russos that went after Scorsese? Yes, they fucking were like, uh, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> they said it was something, and it was something really crass as well. It was like, um, yeah, it was about box office. It was like Scorsese did like a a TikTok, which I I find that whole concept of that hilarious because I weird. I'm too old for TikTok, and yeah, yeah he's Marty's he's out there. there, and he says like, out. "Come here, Oscar, Oscar, and the dog's called Oscar," and then he calls yeah. his dog Box Office or something. He calls his cat Box Office, and you're like, "You you're a loser, fucking loser, mate." Honestly, he that is the kind of behavior of a man that farts in the bath and cups the air pocket and smells it. Like he, that is fucking loser behavior. They they have a quite a big inferiority complex, a massive chip on their shoulder, like big time. Um, and I it's, think Chevy Chase gave it to him. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Oh, forgot about community. Mm. Unpopular opinion? Why not? As you said, this is the uh, episode where I encourage uh, pylons. Hate. You and, don't and like hate. community either, right? I really like community up until season whenever Harmon got sacked. Um, but then I rewatched it all recently, and I don't think it holds up. <laughs> I feel like the style's been now did been done to death and been done better as Eight. well. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Salavi. Anyway, let's move on to the next subject because I don't want to doubt. I don't want to. No, because now we're going to go on to like here's some stuff for excitement. 2024. Oh yeah. There, there's, there's a pretty heavy slate of good shit. Looks like it's on the horizon. Mm. What what what's the what's your one? What's the one where you're like, yeah, gimme so on the chest, all over my chin? Uh, of course, the film that I would I'm the most looking forward to by a country mile uh, is Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest, which I believe is due out in February time. Yeah. Give me a nice uplifting one. A nice, just a just a, a normal film about Auschwitz. Um, I fucking love Jonathan Glazer. He's never made a bad film. He is three for three. He doesn't make a lot of films. 
What were those three? Birth, under the skin, skin and, and sexy beast. Sexy beast. Oh, I see. It. I think I prefer. And sexy beast is probably the closest you're going to come to a normal film. <laughs> and it was his first one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like. I'm in love with Jonathan Glazer's work. I think he's one of the most interesting directors going. He's now made this film. It's done the rounds at all the festivals. I haven't got round seeing it yet, which obviously kills my um, kills my soul. But um, it it's is an entry, though. It get well. The thing is, I'm actually quite looking forward to it because normally what happens is I go to London Film Festival and I see all the films that are coming out in January, February, and March because they're all there. And this year I get to experience them all. It's works quite interesting. But uh, the basically the plot of this film also only an hour and forty five minutes long. So love you for that, Jonathan. Oh. I mean, I mean, yeah, sold. Uh, uh, the commandant of Auschwitz, Rudolf Hoss, and his wife strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the concentration camp. Oh, vibes, mate. I didn't know what it was about. I just oh. knew I was going to see it. I just knew it was. Th- I, I knew it was Nazi adjacent. It's not uh, yeah. adjacent. It's not adjacent well, uh, at all. Well, it is adjacent to the concentration we, camp. <laughs> so maybe that's what the person meant by adjacent. <laughs> yes. We, we're, we're talking literally adjacent. Literally adjacent. So, Good uh, Lord. Yes. Oh, uh, man. Everyone that's seen it thinks it's a, a remarkable film. I'm very interested. It's got Sandra Hula in it, who I think is a fantastic actress as well. She's from... Uh, blah, blah, Dave blah, blah, Hope blah. as well. Who? Dave Hope. Who the fuck is Dave Hope? Sandra Hula and Dave Hope. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just a bad hula hoop joke. Right. Just go with it. I was much better <laughs> off 30 seconds ago before that happened. Uh, she's from Tony Erdman, if you saw Tony Erdman. Oh, yeah, the uh, film that should have been an hour long, shorter, but was very fun. Yeah. Uh, they're also remaking that as well, I think, Nick, this year. Will Ferrell, yeah. Oh, great. Can't we're wait. also we're getting Leave No... Not leave No Trace. Speak No Evil. Speak No Evil, yes. Get a Speak No Evil remake. Leave, leave No Trace, very different fucking film. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, no real need to remake that. Do it. No, no, Quite fine no. as it is. Deborah Granick will be uh, choking bitch if yes. uh, someone tries to remake that. Yeah, so we're getting, we're getting a few. Um, and the, only other, be... one, the only other one, other one I want to mention is uh, I'm also really looking forward to The Iron Claw. I mean, that's... If I had to pick one, it's that. The only reason I haven't put it on is because it's already like out there. Like in, in America, America, in and, America, yeah, yeah, in America. So that's the only reason it's not on my. Own. So what I, I've kind of my pick is a bit further in the distance of something where I'm like really champing at the bit for, but I also know isn't a million miles away. Which to be right. fair, I was surprised that with the Iron Claw because usually A24 is like coming November 30th in the US, coming. We'll let you know everywhere else. 2025, probably. <laughs> do you <laughs> have a do you have a Blu-ray player? <laughs> It'll be out in Germany by then. Yeah, yeah. lovely stuff. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm the zone of interest. Is, you know, I'm very much into that. Kind of, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not so much into it. It's it's going to be one of those ones where I know I I want to make sure I see it on the big screen because it's something you kind of have to be in be, the right headspace for. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I found that with all of with with all of Glazer's films, for, for the ones that I don't necessarily love as much as others, I still think he's a phenomenal filmmaker. Um. So one of the actually, I wanted to do like an honourable mention for my one because, I you know I didn't want to just pick like a franchise movie as my answer, but I just feel I'm I'm just really really fascinated by this one. So I really like the Quiet Place movies. I think they're so fucking good. I I just think they execute what they set out to do, brilliantly. So you've got um a Quiet Place Day One coming out, and I'm like 
uh, I could not give less of a shit about a prequel. Uh, to be honest, I don't want it. Um, and there was talk of Jeff Nichols directing it, or he was doing part three, one of the two. I was like, I'm into that. Love Jeff Nichols. But then he bailed. So I was kind of looking through the list and I was like, oh, who actually is directing A Quiet Place Day One? And it's uh, the, the guy's name who I forgot to write down, but he directed Pig. And Pig was one of my favorite films of last year. I thought Pig with Nicolas Cage was phenomenal. So I'm that's my honorable mention because i'm just very intrigued as to see what that motherfucker does yeah what that sophomore effort is that you know watching pig that didn't make me kind of go oh do you know i'd I'd like to see him tackle that it it it, 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 it's it's one of those uh one of those follow-ups that doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense on paper but i can kind of see it Uh, so i'm more and not more more and more these days where they'll make this kind of autoristic first film you know where it's like really interesting and then they'll just suddenly immediately get churned into a property machine you know yeah well he well, kept away from marvel so that's good that's good. at least good a quite place you know a 25 million dollar budget that kind of that kind of movie yes you, sure. you, it's crazy how that's now the 25 million dollar realm gives you more of a playground to play in than 250 million yeah does, well it's the it's the nomad land director isn't it she went Chloe from Zhao, yeah yeah she went from that to like marvel 200 million and that's that like, was fucking awful <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a struggle uh, my, so what, what is your actual answer my actual pick uh is nosferatu so i have a uh a funny kind of a kind of background with eggers um i didn't like the witch the vivich or or the lighthouse uh but then i saw the northman and i thought the northman was fantastic so i then went back and retried the vivich and i fucking loved it it just clicked second time round i thought it's i think it's fucking phenomenal uh, and i love the north i think it's fucking phenomenal i still don't like the lighthouse but i appreciate more now why people do it's just not my kind of vibe mm. it's a very specific vibe it's a very specific lane if you're not driving in that lane it's it's not it's not great to watch <laughs> but i appreciate what he does with it and the performances that he draws out in that film so he's now tackling the greatest monster in history so there's nothing to not be excited about. Uh, you know, you can, you've got um, Willem Dafoe coming back. You've got Alexander Sarsgaard as uh, Nosferatu. Uh, I mean, that picture they released of uh, Willem Dafoe as Van Helsing is hilarious mm. uh, and should spawn a, a, a billion memes, but it probably won't. Uh, and then I kind of think even if it, it, the worst case scenario and it sucks, pun totally intended, the score will absolutely bang because every David, uh, Dave Eggers, that's the writer, every Robert Eggers film has a great fucking score to it. Uh, I think this film is going to be really fucking good. <laughs> and I'm really excited because I don't think we've had a genuinely great vampire film since Bram Stoker's Dracula, also done by an author. What about let the right one in? Uh, I think the book's significantly better. Oh I, I like, don't get me wrong, I like Let the Right One In, and I also like Let Me In. They're a strange one where Let Me In gets the coming-of-age part of the book better than Let the Right One In. Let the Right One In does the horror elements of the book a lot better, but they both sacrifice a lot of stuff the that's adrenaline. in the book that made me love the book. Uh, mm. And then I was like, sick, they're going to do a TV show. And they also did the same fucking thing. And you're like, great, why make it four times longer and then not include the shit which made the book really, really fucking great? But yeah, not read the book. Phenomenal. There's I been could... very good vampire films like State. I really like Stakeland. Um, but I think like 
Bram Stoker's Dracula has been was like the last good stylish vampire. fucking big vampire swing movie. for the fence. Exactly. Not the not, not the last voyage of Demeter then. Not great in the end. No. No. No, not great in the end. Uh, although it was nice watching, uh, seeing uh, the matey from the Young Offenders turn up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good for you. good for you. And it's always quite interesting to watch Dracula guzzle down loads of semen. So, we surprised it's not. In, I'm surprised it's not in your uh, in your list. What list? My favorite cum films. The sex list, evidently that you've been carefully oh, curating yeah, carefully whilst while we've been recording. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, do you want to just bang into that top five then? Sure. We're going in descending order. Does yours have an order? Yeah, mine's five to one. Uh, we'll go you know, five to one. Very much uh, top. Very much of 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 the top of the pops era. Sure. Uh, number uh, five. Yeah, in at number five. So uh, you can kick us off, um, sure. and we'll just alternate our five and four. Yada yada yada. Sure. Do it snake style. Uh, what was your number five? I wonder. Dream. I'm just curious as to how much overlap we're going to have. None. I think. Let me just tell you straight no. away, Bradley. I, I didn't see it. Uh, maybe one, uh, but the answer is my, number five is uh, Dream Scenario. Yeah, I didn't see it. It's fucking great. It's unbelievable. It's from Christopher Borgia, who made uh, Sick of Myself. Did you see that? But I'm sick of you too. Fake. You're a counter. Sorry, right. I've been I've been dying to get that out because I keep seeing Sick <laughs> Sick of Myself appear on Letterboxd, and that is immediately where my brain goes. Right. I'm sure everyone was really glad for that bad Fred Durst impression. Um, so have, have you seen that? No? No? Seen I've, I've, I've listened to $3 Bill, y'all, a few times. Fantastic. Well, anyway, Christopher Bordil, uh, Bordley is, uh, got Nicolas Cage. Obviously, you know, everyone knows that I fucking love Nicolas Cage, but they got Nicolas Cage to be this guy called Paul Matthews, who's kind of this absolute nothing burger of a man, like a, sh- a schlubby kind of loser, right? And then one day there's this weird phenomena where he starts appearing in loads of people's dreams. And at times he's incredibly passive in these dreams and kind of just is there while the dream is actually occurring. And he has such gains kind of like a, a like a local and then snowballingly international uh, notoriety is the kind of the dream man because he just appears in your dreams. He stands around, doesn't do anything. And then that's it. However, when the dream version of him starts doing evil, heinous shit like killing people, raping people and everything else in between, the real life... The thread's (laughs) carrying on, isn't it? The the real... (laughs) He has to... He then has to uh, suffer the consequences for what his dream version of himself has been up to. And it's a really interesting sort of look at council culture in general and kind of how that is portrayed and it's a really great centralized performance from nicholas cage who is at times at his most pathetic but also at his most menacing and dark at times it's a really interesting great fun film that doesn't ask too much of its audience and knows exactly what it wants to do and no it's really assured in its execution and i had such a good time with it moreover probably because it's nicholas cage but probably yeah. I've heard really good things. I've heard a lot of like the Michelle Gondry uh, comparisons, Eternal yeah. Sunshine, um, yeah. that kind of a, a playfulness of the fantasy. But it's, it's one I really wanted to see. But again, I'm going to keep reiterating, I live in a small town. We didn't get it. Um, I, no, actually, the reason we didn't get it is there was that weird argument briefly between studios and Odeon. Uh, and a load of stuff got pulled. And a lot of it seemed to be around the Marvels, the fact that the Marvels was dominating all of the screens. Yeah, something like that. The fact they had a really low pre-order, pre-booking kind of um, box office. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we didn't get that. It's the same reason I missed Saltburn um, and one other. 
Someone Which else, wouldn't it? It doesn't Someone matter. Else. It yeah. don't matter. It's fine. What's your number it's five? Fine. My number five uh, is Daniel Goldhaber's How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Which you can watch on Netflix now, which is uh, nice. Right, right at your fucking fingertips. Uh, so Daniel Gold ever did uh, Cam, which was released on Shudder. I want to say either last year or the year Netflix. Before. Was it Netflix? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm th- I'm crossing it with host. My apologies. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, sorry, it was on Netflix, and it was either last year or the year before, which I thought was a really, really good debut um, about a, a Cam girl and the, all the horror that kicks off as a result of that. Very well, very well worth your time. It was a good film. A bit uneven, didn't quite land the plane, but I was impressed. Um, but then I kind of forgot about him, and I didn't, you know, look at see what what what's coming up next or anything like that. Um, so it was like a really cool surprise when the trailer for this film dropped, uh, and I just thought it was fucking amazing, like just a total pressure cooker of stress from minute one all the way through. Uh, so just to give you an idea, it's, it's about um, a group of environmental activists who come up with a plan to make their voices heard and blow up a pipeline. That's what the movie's about. Uh, it's so fucking good and so tense. Uh, I think it succeeds where films like The East and Night Moves failed in regards to t- tackling eco-terrorism. Um, I think it's a very balanced look at it to an extent. <laughs> uh but I think the main thing is just that 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 pressure cooker feeling that you get throughout. You're just, you, you know, unless you've read the book, you don't know the story. You're just on edge the entire time. You don't know who's going to make it out. You don't know really know how this is going to play out. And it's, I thought the pacing was tremendous. I thought the score was excellent. Just really, really great filmmaking. He's become one of those directors now that I'm like, that. that's it for me. You've, you've got me until you lose me. Yeah, you're one of those guys. Yeah, I really liked it as well. thought it was a really tall and tense sort of eco-thriller uh, with an interesting message about sort of, you know, what's going on from a, a gas pipeline perspective. Um, some really good performances as well. Really strong. Uh, didn't make, didn't even make my top 15, would you believe? Oh, wow. that's you say, easily bought. I, th- I, think, I think I forgot that it came out this year. Big gas got you. Big gas. So got me. Got me around the by the short and curlies. Like, you, you, can't, you, you can't. You can't. You can't use our uh, our shops on the forecourt until you forget your source. I need to get my ginsters. So you know, needs must. Ginsters and a Dr Pepper. <laughs> got to be done. Uh, my number four. You mean my number four? Because we're doing it in snake style. Oh, right. My number style. four is. Mm. Uh, a film that I'm sure several people would have either forgotten about or didn't like because I, I get it, the concept of it all. Uh, my fourth favourite film was Air, which was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm team Ben. I'm Benny Aff all the way, man. Like, yeah, fucking hard on. I'm, I am putting on my Boston Celtics basketball shirt and all sorts for that guy. Get him a, a nice cup of joe from Duncan because you're yeah. wicked smart. You're wicked smart. Get in the car, you fucking hard on. Yeah. I get why people don't like these brand opics, because uh, they're ultimately just like a big advert for the brand in question. Yeah. But as I'm finding the older I get, I just like watching good actors be really good at their job. He just likes comfortable footwear. Yeah. With a great soundtrack. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a great soundtrack. It's Matty Damon. It's 
Uh, Jason Bateman is probably the best I've seen him in in ages. It's just a total dad movie, but it's really fun and it's breezy. It's it's definitely going to end up on like my rotation for like Moneyball and stuff like that, where it's like a pure comfort film. There's a Sunday and I'm just like, oh, I don't really want to invest too much into something. This is like a, yep, air, absolutely bang on. Um, it's just something I can be, I can just chuck on and just be totally comfortable with while sitting in my underwear. And it is okay. worth That's this cool. placement as number four for the Nuremberg line alone. Sure. I don't remember the Nuremberg line. I, the Nuremberg I, line. I remember. It's, it's, it's great. I remember very little from it. I can say that it's currently available to watch on Amazon Prime though. So, Well, the, the Nuremberg line is basically when they're saying about Adidas being in Germany and he obviously is making Nazi jokes. And then she just goes, look, we're going to our head office. We're going to Nuremberg next week. And he goes, they're in fucking Nuremberg. <laughs> It's just a really, really, really great delivery. It's just a very... Not, he's not sold it for any people that haven't seen it there. It's a very, very fun film. Sure. Surprisingly so. It was my number one, actually, for quite a while. Christ. That is a low bar, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I saw it. Uh, I, I, I thought it was good. I'll never watch it again, never think about it again. But I thought it was solid, good. Oh, man. I've seen it like four times. <laughs> yeah, you're a fucking L plate, that's why. Uh, my number four <clears throat> is... is I am number four. Is you wish Celine Dion? Celine Dion's live the, the thing where she's sprinkling pepper on black children or whatever it is she's doing at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Judgment at Nuremberg. It was uh, Celine Song's Past Lives. Oh, he's giving me a face. Sorry. Listen, yeah, I mean, it's number one in several, several lists. Eat and, and rightly so. And if it was, it could. I could argue as I see it now in number four spot. I think it could go. This could have gone higher. To be fair, um, I saw this all the way back in Berlin in February, and it absolutely kicked the absolute shit out of me. Um, got me right in my feelings. I thought it was a beautifully tender portrait of sort of longing, lust, love, identity, immigration. It ticks so many of these boxes. Um, when looking at someone and, and, and these two people have been separated and they ha all they really have is their kind of their races and identity now because they've had you know 15 20 years apart they've grown in different ways but there's something about the magnetism between those two characters that they cannot stay away from each other despite all you know pretense and reasoning for why they should be apart you know she's married he doesn't actually live here you know there are so many things it is not on the same continent yeah not on the same <laughs> continent uh haven't haven't spoken to each other in 20 years um but there's something about that film that i just think it really is like lightning in a bottle it captured beautifully this sort of in a way a three-way because we have the 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 kai uh, i was about to say kaiju husband gaijin <laughs> Gaijin husband. Now, if there was a now, kaiju husband, all number, of a sudden, number, number one, one number, number one. one. <laughs> um, I just thought it was, uh, huh? It would have been colossal. The sequel. It would have been colossal. Yeah, colossal too. The colossal uh, I just, verse. I loved it. I thought it was great. I think it's a really interesting look at, at romance, and it, it's certainly the most tender and beautiful film that I saw this year. And I saw it nearly a year ago, and I still think about it quite often. You didn't like it? No, no, no. That's not fair. But, that's, well, that's not that's not fucking fair that's the way your face looked no it's i thought it was fine i was it, it kind of goes amongst the uh, you know goes in the box with several other films of it being really really bigged up and then i saw it and i was like yeah it's good. a film it was nice good performances it's good i mean and then, I, then I, I, I have the moral superiority here because you put air in your fucking top five so yeah, and uh, i yeah. own it air 
su- much superior. But the thing is, people are going to listen to Michael this. Jordan's not in past lives. He's barely in air. The yeah, back know, of his head's he, in one shot. He's he's there's four percent more Michael Jordan in, <laughs> in air than there is in past lives. lives. <laughs> that I can't argue with. That is true. Uh, so that's that. And then moving on to my number three, <clears throat> my voice is going. Um, is uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of Flower Moon. Oh, so you, you, okay. So yeah, my it was just outside mine for the reasons that I gave. Yes, uh, but as we've already spoken about, we don't spend too long on it. I thought it was fucking great. I think if this is the last film he makes, it's a great film to go out on. If he makes another one, fine. You know, we call this the Dario Argento effect, where you're just willing him to not die. Just maybe. one more. Yeah, well, it's, it's like Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge. Just yeah, one more. Just one more. Just, just one, one more, Marty. Just it's one like, more. It's like, Dario, please make another film because you can't die having made Dracula 3D be your last film. <laughs> but obviously, he's now made Dark Glasses, which isn't great, but it's not. It's not Dracula, Dracula 3D. It's not Dracula 3D. <laughs> so he can die now and it's fine. And if Scorsese dies having not made anything else, I think Killers of a Flower Moon is a great film to go out on. I, I feel like the last this kind of trilogy that he's made the most recent ones they've all felt a bit swan songy um and that really sucks like knowing that there is going to be ultimately as a film fan we have that unwritten contract that at some point we're gonna outlive scorsese yeah (laughs) and it sucks and we're gonna have to someday we're gonna have to you googly scorsese yeah we're gonna have to you googly spielberg this is the unspoken contract we signed when we fell in love with the cinema. Yeah. Um, it, but it's, it's so fucking good. And I, I don't, one of the things I didn't mention in, um, when we were discussing it previously is I, I think it's one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performances because he's just so, such a pathetic worm. Yeah. It's like, like, he's, he's like a dog that's been scolded. Yeah. Everything got that, that like, wounded but you kind look. of, that's, that's the kind of, the sum of the man that does it yeah the kind like of cowardice of, of the man that yeah can be manipulated that easy by someone like robert de niro's character into doing the most heinous of shit because yeah. he's got nothing he's got nothing else to offer the world yeah. he's just nothing he's, he, yeah. it, there's a level of naivety and cowardice and just it just being a bit of a shit yeah um well, but well, not insidious not 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 ultimately not smart enough to be insidious no, because not clever enough. Seems, he goes through the motions. His his, his character, I say character because he's a real person, um, seems to just go through the motions and just does what he's told to do yeah. without any form of questioning or anything like that at all. Um, I the think army, he's, the he's, army man mentality. Yeah, so, he's, yes, just, he's, he's really fucking great in it. Yeah, um, and then, of course, Lily, Lily Gladstone is just... She's amazing as well, yeah. I mean, everyone's amazing in that film because they're all amazing actors anyway, but it's no surprise there yeah to kind of re- in your first big film because she's yeah. I, I know she's done stuff but like in your big bit first big like t- to top hang, line top yeah, line of film to kind to of just, hold your weight with, with go, not even films. hold your weight toe to toe like yeah and outshine on several occasions yeah she's great has she's to be given good. a shout yeah what's your number three uh, my number three uh is oppenheimer which uh i thought was quite excellent uh, Quite it's good. <laughs> it's an undeniably good film. Uh, I think Nolan f- is finally able to match the spectacle and emotion in a way that he's always struggled with. Like mm. it, it, even you know, even in, in the, the Nolan films that I love, 
there's always a very awkward approach to emotion. Um, and I think just uh, almost as shorthand because of the subject of this film, um, it, it, it kind of becomes his strongest film emotionally, automatically. Uh, I think Emily Blunt steals the film alongside Hans Zimmer score. I think Emily Blunt, that's like a, a career best performance. Uh, it's three hours long, but until like the last 30 to 40 minutes, I didn't really feel the runtime at all. I thought it really zips along. Um, I, I just wasn't as enamored with the Robert Downey Jr. storyline as much as I was with the real-time kind of creation of the atom bomb. I, I, I think that's very much going to be a subjective thing. You, you kind of, you, you're either, with the, the nature of these kind of films, you kind of you're, you're, wanting you're to either, see one more than yeah, the other. Yeah, you're either blow-up man or all the president's men man. Like, yeah. you can't you can't be both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, do not can, we, do, we do not contain multitudes on this podcast. No, we're, there are no layers to this onion. It's no. just one big shallot. <laughs> I think the JFK um, comparisons are completely fair. That probably is why I really, really liked it so much. Um, I don't think it's my favourite Christopher Nolan, uh, but I do think it's his best film. Okay. Uh, and it's still not the best film about nuclear fallout released this year. Uh, is that because you're number two? <laughs> is. Fuck it. On the fly, I'm changing it now because I'm just looking at the list and I'm just having an emotional reaction. My number two is David Fincher's The Killer, which you can oh watch on Netflix. God. And I fucking love it when a film gets made, especially for me. Uh, it's one part drive and one part American Psycho is how I've been selling it to everyone. Uh, because it's being sold as like a, you, you watch the trailers and it's like, here's a cool John Wick, I'm a hitman and yeah, do mm. fucking fuck shit up. Uh, no, I love its marriage of extreme competence via voiceover versus very much not competent what you're seeing on screen. Uh, I think that's where the American Psycho part comes in is it's, it's very, very funny. It's this unreliable narrator who is but this time you're actually seeing what he's seeing but you're actually seeing what he's doing so maybe not a narrator but there's a voiceover but the voiceover is telling you how fucking great he is and you know this is the rules and you, you stick with the rules but it's not supported by what you're seeing on screen and that is really fucking funny um i think it's fincher's best film in a long time probably since the social network um i've watched it three times at this point it's also one of the it's it's a very good background film which i know sounds like doesn't sound like the, the, the you know the strongest of praise but it's just kind of the vibe of the film is you can kind of dip in and out of it quite easily um it's such a funny film it's probably the most fun i had all year as my wife can sadly attest when i was sat there laughing like d reynolds boyfriend in it's always sunny in philadelphia while she was like I, I, i'm not seeing that level yeah, are you going to mention what episode that's from? Or are you going to? No, I'm not touching that word with a ten foot barge pole. Right, just thought I'd ask. Sweet D does date a man. Yes, he, he a person. Yes, <laughs> a person. What, yes. what did you think of the color? Did you like it? I, I did like it. I didn't like it as much as you. It didn't even make the top fifteen again. Um, but I mean, the problem is, is it the Smiths that are throughout the entire film? So I don't like the Smiths, and right. yet, and yet, <laughs> right. There is a lot of Smiths. There is a lot of Smiths. Uh, the way I, I framed it was that this was um, Fincher going back and playing the hits because the whole sort of narrative of the film is, you know, 
having to go back to the thing that you were kind of trying to get distance yourself from right but in order to distance yourself you have to go back and do the things and obviously he decided in his last film mank flip the m upside down uh wank um you didn't to, have to say it <laughs> yeah i but you can know, we respect our audience enough that you didn't need to explain I think all six of them might some of them might need a little open hand um you know he he did he did some stuff with with mank that fucking did not work for a lot of people including myself so it was nice for him to go back to the well and do the things that, that he's renowned for and good at um so yeah I, I mean i gave it four stars i really enjoyed it but it doesn't break the top 15 unfortunately mm-hmm. um so give us my, number two and then we'll, we'll do our honorable mentions i haven't done my three or have i have i i got confused this is what happens when you do the snake. No. So my two is your three, Oppenheimer. Oh, okay. What was your three again? My three is Killers of the Moon. Killers of the Moon. Yeah, yeah okay, so we're I good. Had, I had done it. Okay, we're good. So That's my smart. number two is also Oppenheimer. Oh, um, so higher. Okay. Higher than yours. Uh, saw it twice in the cinema on 70 mil and regularly. I think it's a remarkable piece of work. Uh, for once, you know, when they say, uh, sir, for a dollar, name a woman, uh, he finally, yeah. he's, he's finally able to answer the call after 10 films of not being able to name a woman. Um, and as you say, I think it, you know, that, that, that scene after the dropping of the bomb and he's addressing the crowd. Oh, it's brutal. What, like the horror sequence of the year for me in terms of. Yeah like nothing with the score as well and everything else that's going on during that scene it is a nightmare that sequence and i love it so much and i think about it often it's like terminator 2 turned up to like 50 yeah (laughs) like the kind of baying for blood and then it's like are they screaming are they happy are they joyous are they in pain that's why i didn't get the the the, the criticism of the films where people saying well it doesn't show enough from the japanese side you're like well i mean I don't remember. I don't remember Oppenheimer doing the. Uh, I don't remember him being that, that particular there. tour. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think he was there, ce- that, he? yeah, that celebrate that celebratory tour that he did yeah. is uh, is his victory is kind of his his victory lap. <laughs> Such yes. didn't exist. <laughs> didn't exist. So uh, you want to do our honourable mentions? So, but before, what? Where do you fall on Nolan? I don't think I've ever gotten a read on you, Nolan. Yeah. No, I like him. Always liked him. There's very few of his films that I don't like. Yeah. Well, what's, your, what's, your, what, what's your favourite? It's tough because it changes. Mank? Did you say Mank? No, Mank's my least favourite. That's David Fincher. I'm talking about Christopher oh, Nolan. Oh, Nolan. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I like Christopher Nolan. I got I got very confused then. Uh, I do like him. Uh, my favourite... Quickly typing in his name to get his filmography to make yeah, sure to that remind remember. myself everything. everything. Uh, what is my favourite one of his films? Um, it's according to Letterboxd. I think it's, I mean, for me, it's probably Memento. Oh, still? Okay. I really love Memento. Memento is great. I think, Uh, I'm a soppy cunt, so it's Interstellar is still my favourite. Interstellar, I I see every problem and it's like, yes, but I still love it. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those films. It's a yes, but film. Yeah. Uh, And I actually saw one of those today as well. (laughs) <laughs> oh yes but uh, and also the uh, shout out to the prestige as well I fuck, I, I Presti- fuck, prestige is my second favorite i I'd fucking say. fuck with prestige it's good yeah. stuff i feel like uh, the more i watch oppenheimer i think that's going to be one that creeps up because again like with air although not remotely like air uh it's going to be a good throw on movie 
Yeah. Because there's a lot going on the same way that JFK is. It's not, you know, it's not an easygoing subject matter, but it's the the pacing, the way it, it really zips along. Yeah, it's good makes stuff. Makes it a, a, a good kind of good chunk of time to be able to start to digest. Exactly. Um, yeah. Oh no. I'm so there's one <laughs> one overlap. Well, we, we don't have. know. Our, our number one might be the same. Bad. They're not though, are they? Twenty uh, percent. I think twenty percent is actually a good ratio for us. To be yeah, norm, I'd expect none, naught percent. Exactly. We usually like the same films, but never to the same extent. Is the what same I level? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm usually you appreciate. Absolutely. Um, so honourable mentions. Uh, I've, I, as I said, I've, I've really enjoyed this year. So there's some, there's some stuff that I wanted to just, just give to give a shout out to. Um, mm. So uh, I really liked Mission Impossible Seven. I don't think it's the best one, but I wanted to give it a shout out. It's probably for me the best action franchise going. Um, I reckon it's going to be a film that I'll like more once I've seen part two. I think actually making it split in two is actually to its detriment. Um, the Old Oak, I thought, was weirdly Ken Loach's most optimistic film, whilst also making me cry my eyes out because the the night that I saw The Old Oak, I'd also found out that a good friend of mine died that day. Uh, and there's a lot of crossover in themes. And yeah, I was a fucking mess for the entire hour and 45 minutes. Um, Evil Dead Rise, yeah. that, that series doesn't miss. It is the only horror series with zero bad entries. Just zero fucking else. bangers. Bangers all the way, including the TV series. There's not even a bad episode of the TV series. There is just something about the Deadites that just fuck. Every single time. <clears throat> yeah. John Wick 4? Yeah, good. John Wick 4, very fucking good. Very, good. very fucking good. I'm sorry, and I go on record as someone, I don't really like John Wick 1. Uh, I, th- I find the action really boring. I think from two onwards is where, it's, where where, they, yeah. it's one of the rare occasions where the stupid um, mythology actually enriches the film as opposed to being like, you're taking this all a bit self-serious now. <laughs> I got a bit, I got used to get really confused. I'm like, how much are these coins worth? Like I, they're, they're as much as they're worth as much as the thing that you'll get. You need <laughs> right because yeah. they're like you can have a week's stay for one of these coins at yeah. this fancy hotel, or or they'll, buy, they'll buy you a schematic, <laughs> like some schematic yeah. that you need. They're kind. I feel like they are um, the hotel's version of a checkbook. You're like, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> here's here's the thing. It's on account. Here's the thing. Go for um, it. And a film which we haven't gotten over in this country yet, um, but I saw. Uh, and I don't think I have laughed harder at a film this dumb in probably since 1994, which was Dumb and Dumber, and that was Dick's the Musical. And yes. uh, I know, Brad, you weren't as enamoured with it as I was. No. I, not, not as smitten. It was this year's um, Bob and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Vista Del Mar where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if if you do not get in this film's lane, you're in for a very bad time. Yeah, if you're this, not on its wavelength, like yeah. the whole thing is insufferable. This film is fucking stupid. So boys to the nth degree. I have not. So I didn't see the trailer beforehand, but there are characters called Sewer Boys in it, and I will leave that to you to uh, eventually discover. Avoid the trailer because that reveal, I sprung out of my chair with laughter. Yeah. I didn't. I just went, oh, right. You know, that's, yeah. that's where it 
where we we get that. I uh, yeah, I just um, was was dying. But what? So what are your your shouts? Your uh, just misses? Yeah, uh, Charlotte Reagan scrapper. Okay. Really enjoyed that. Um, oh, sorry, I was looked at you like you had four heads, but that's the 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 girl in the West Ham shirt. Yeah, coming of yes. age sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, shout, shout out to William Oldroyd's Eileen. Oh, yep. Really enjoyed that. Kind of psychosexual. Really interesting. Uh, from a horror perspective, got to give a shout out to When Evil Lurks by Damien Rugana. Did like that one a lot more than Possession, um, whatever it's called. Talk to me. Possessor. Terrifier. Oh, that's it. Terrifier. Yeah. Um, got to give a shout out to uh, May, December. I did not like that one. I really liked it. Surprisingly so, because I didn't expect With the caveat, I don't like, I don't like Todd Field. Haynes. Haynes. Todd yeah. Field is a very Haynes. fucking different director. Can't, can't even get his fucking name right. Can't even <laughs> Todd get Field name. is uh, Happiness, right? Uh, Todd Salons. That's Todd Salons. Who the fuck is Todd Field? I don't fucking know. Oh, he might be someone that I've got on FIFA, like a regen or something. Yeah. Sorry, my apologies. Don't worry. Um, tearing up trees for late in Orient yeah. 2024. Exactly. The, the, well, 2029 at this point. Uh, sure. Todd um, Haynes. Yeah. yeah. Like, you. Carol, bounce off. I yeah, find his films just to yeah, be very sloggy. Yeah, you're weird. Uh, like, let's do our ones and then get the fuck out of here because I've got stuff to do. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm on the clock here. Yes, yeah, so uh, am I. I'm just watching all my emails coming. It's lovely. I know. No, it's not lovely because I've got to fucking do them. Uh, Wait, do want, what's do you your want... number one? Go on. You, you can give it up, you, you big whore. Uh, of course, my number one film of the year, featuring the greatest cinematic villain of 2023. That is, of course, Justine Triet's Anatomy of a Fall. Ah, I did see it. You did see it? I did see it. Didn't get, didn't make the top 10? No, you go, you go. Uh, so a woman is suspected of killing her husband. Um, they've got a, a sort of partially sighted and son he goes out for a walk with a doggy. He comes back, finds the dad dead. Was he has he fallen by accident? Was it a push? What then you know, presumes is two and a half hours of sort of courtroom drama in which they're trying to prove that she killed him. And I just think it's a fucking remarkable film that kind of really distills the kind of grey area in the court and justice procedures. Uh, once again, wonderful central performance from that girl, Sandra Hula. She's back again with her hoop. No Dave uh, Hoop this time. No, no Dave, Dave Hoop. Hoop. No Dave Hoop. Um, and features the prosecutor for the sort of the against her evilest man in 2023. What, a, what an absolute what a cunt was. cunt like yeah. hate him <laughs> hate him. So um, Anatomy of a Fall is my favourite film of the year. And you're forgetting, I think, is the absolute high point of Anatomy of a Fall. The gr- single greatest dog performance of oh all time. Oh my god, that dog fucking rules, man. I went down a YouTube and article hole on that to one. To find out about that dog. <laughs> that dog is fucking amazing. <laughs> but I turned to my wife, we were both like, is, is that, is is he he, a, is that CG? Has he actually killed the dog? <laughs> <laughs> it is unbelievable. So I really liked it. It didn't crack my uh, any of my list, to be honest, because I personally feel like the final act was missing one beat. Like one beat to take it into the stratosphere. Like fuck yeah! Um, now that could just be the Actually, it, yeah. it could just be the pace. You know, the pacing is is what of what I prefer from a film. It is very deliberately paced. It's it's very it's very European. Um, we oui. it's uh you know 
because there's a similar was it Saint Amir Saint Amir Saint Amir it's a similar Saint Amir yeah yeah yeah, yeah which, again dealing with the French courts is it's it's refreshing to see versus what we're so used to which is you know I want the truth you can you know we're so used to stuff like that it's uh, a lot more bombast um, whereas this is obviously a lot more subdued which again makes the cunty performance even cuntier even cuntier yeah plus it's um, great to get PIMP representation. I, I wanted. To, I hated the song by the end of the film, though. But I, I, I think that was by design. But by yes. the end of it, I was like, I never want to hear this version I, of this song I think song Justin Trudeau's got a big problem with steel band drum versions of PIMB. <laughs> um, so go well, on then. What's your, what's your I, number I, one? I, I, no, I'm not finished. I did think it was good. I just I needed that one more. I needed one more beat. You need to look to the camera to where she goes. I'm truly Jesus. satisfying. No, I didn't know. and that is a fall. And that's how like that. you fall. I don't know. So uh, my number one could easily have qualified for biggest surprise also. My number one is Godzilla minus one, which, holy fucking shit. I mean, I'd heard it was good. And I'm not a kaiju guy, to be honest. I like, you know, I like Pacific Rim. I find all of the um, Hollywood Godzillas to be various levels of disappointing um varying from oh i wish that was a little bit better to that's fucking dog shit uh and surprisingly the new, is, the new surprisingly that yet. last one i'm not referring to the matthew broderick version i'm referring to that king of the monsters dog shit that they released um so it's basically jaws but they replaced jaws with godzilla basically and that's yeah. the highest praise i could possibly give any movie ever made I was head over heels for this film. Uh, I it's to background. It's essentially rebooting Godzilla, so it's taking Godzilla right back to its post-war, um, its post-war roots. So the film takes place uh, a couple of days before Japan's surrender, um, and is about a kamikaze pilot who essentially fakes problems with his plane to get out of having to kamikaze himself. Is that the word? to unalive himself um That's what they say on tiktok to not get banned yep and then when he is uh at this airfield and they're like look we can't see a problem do you want to talk about this godzilla attacks small godzilla little godzilla but still pretty team, fucking big team, yeah team godzilla but the most brutal godzilla attack i've seen in, in a while. It, yeah it, it ever like because they what they do so well with this film is they make godzilla a threat again He's not, oh, yeah, I'm going to climb out with me mate Kong and I'm going to fucking uppercut some cunt. That, no, that this is not the Godzilla we're playing with. Um, it very much pulls it right back to those post-war anxieties, which is replicated in the name. So uh, essentially how Japan saw the defeat in World War II was setting the country back to zero. So what they're saying is then now this Godzilla attack is so bad, it's now like minus We're, get, we're going into the negative. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going, going into, into the, the negative. Yes. Uh, it's a film that unashamedly wears its heart on its sleeve. Um, it, as I said, it captures those classic and modern anxieties whilst also exploring the the relationship and the responsibilities of a kamikaze pilot and the guilt that's then associated with it. I just loved it so much. I thought the CG, for a film that cost $15 million, the CG's great. I loved the performances. The score is like a mix of old of, of new music and then the old traditional Godzilla score. Samoa Joe's theme song. Yeah, I just, I think 
I am outright saying this. I think it is the best film of its kind that I've ever seen. It's really good. It's really, really, really good. And as I watched it, I don't know if I saw it before you or, or on the same it was, day. You, you saw it the same day, but earlier on in the day. Right. As I was watching it, I knew you were going to be seeing it. I was like, after I came out, I was like, that is really good. That is going to be in Ash's top five. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was going to be like a late edition. It was number five. two until just before we recorded. The killer was going to be number one. The killer was number one. I think you made, I, I'll be honest with you, I think you made the right choice. Um, I just, I went with my heart. It's so succinctly made for you as well, right? Because it's even got kind of sort of like Michael Bayisms, which I think that sometimes you can feel, you feel guilty oh, absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like a Bayism. Um, and it's basically uh, Dunkirk. But with Godzilla in it, basically, you're saying like it's like Jaws because it is like Jaws. But there are there's elements so of it. many nods to Jaws yeah, throughout. To there's, there's the whole thing about when this isn't a spoiler because it happens all very early on in the film that when he's about to attack, a load of deep sea fish come up onto the on on, on and are floating around on the the sea surface, the surface of the sea, is essentially the yellow bucket. Yeah, and it's treated as such. There's even a point where I'm fairly fucking certain there was a yellow bucket in there. I wouldn't be but surprised. It was just so. The only it, again, this sounds backhanded because it just seems like it, it, it's a word without much power. But it's just so satisfying throughout. That Godzilla's heat ray is. It's not. You don't greet it with a like a fuck yeah. You greet it with like oh fuck. Oh, oh you're, you're fucking dead. You're fucked because <laughs> yeah. you actually like the characters in this film. They because they actually are as much as Human. those people saying like oh yeah. The, for, I mean for off like this monarch TV show that they're doing and then the recent um, legendary monster verse that they've been doing. They're like oh we you know we do want to make the, the, the humans as big a part of it. But they as far as I'm concerned they, they continually do. failed. No, yeah. they never do. It always comes down to which monkey is going to wear a gauntlet. An uppercut, uh, uh, someone uh, else. And uh, uh, how, how quickly can we gas Juliet Binoche? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how quickly can we get the actual competent actors off the fucking yeah. screen? Is there a way that we can only pay Juliet Binoche to be in this for two days and then be like <laughs> a reason for Brian Cranston to be upset later? We'll yeah. deal with that. Uh, we'll get Ken Watanabe uh, to. He keeps coming back. He's, to, I think he just. I think he's just a dude. Can't help it, can he? Yeah, he's just can like we, oh, I've started now. What we'll do is we'll get him to go and visit Godzilla when he's feeling poorly <laughs> and give him some Lucasaders and Cowpole, but his version, which is obviously a nuclear warhead. Yeah. And then he'll be better. He'll feel better, won't he? Like, yeah. uh, oh, once Mark like looks after him. The kaiju version of a Barocca. Yeah. He's like, oh, got, let's go. Let's yeah. let's, 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 yeah. let's hydrate you. Revitalize. Give me that vitamin C by way of protons, uranium. electrons, and uranium, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> Um, but no, so I did. I just it, it would it would be in my top fifteen now. I haven't changed it. Yeah, but it would be in there <laughs> because good. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really really great, and it kind of it, it nails the tone. It nails the period setting. It nails the heart of it. You know, the blended family sort of aspects of it, and what kind of happens along that arc as well. I think is really touching and heartwarming. And it's doesn't knowingly feel... melodramatic as well. Mm. It's like it, it knows that it it, it is it is. Manipulative, manipulative emotionally but i mean i was nearly in bits by the end to be honest but it was like it all but it all felt earned like yeah. I, I i'm more than happy for you to be manipulative as long as you earn it yeah you can't just do it no and everything in this film just felt 
so earned and it's again as i said at the top of this episode this is the the reason we pick these films is because we think that you know 30 years from now we're still going to be returning to them i can absolutely see myself returning to this over and over and over again in our blu-ray shop our blu-ray rental shop from 30 years ago. i like how that you've uh after the series has finished you finally bought into the concept of the imaginary uh, video uh, let, let's call it let's call it a christmas miracle <laughs> uh, which will be gone again in uh by the time this episode comes out yes. i'm feeling suitably festive and charitable i think is the way it is the word i fucking uh, forgot to talk about one of the big honorable mentions though ah oh, oh. never mind I, was, I just wanted to mention that the reason there was a film that I think would be in my top five, but the reason it's not in my top five is because I watched it this morning and that was Bradley Cooper's Maestro, which knocked me on my fucking ass. Yeah. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. There's, It's one of those things where I'm, I'm reading a lot of the criticism after watching it and they're like, you know, the script's not great. I'm like, yeah, I know, but still loved it. Mm. Uh, I think Carrie Mulligan, phenomenal. Bradley She's Cooper. Great. Although Bradley Cooper, by the end of the film, looks like Hoggle from Labyrinth, I thought he was great. I I think as a director, holy fucking shit! Like the guy's got it. Uh, I yeah. can't wait to see what he does next. I liked like, it. But didn't it's like still it. very much a biopic. Yeah, didn't like that, it as much as you. I, it reminded me of once again going back to Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Where it's like uh, the Brad tries desperately to win an award, you yeah, know, like, yeah, like it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, this yeah. is hail mary. Like this is, he's like, I'm giving you all I got. I got the yeah. prosthetic nose I, on. I don't, look, look, Spielberg's producing it. Scorsese's producing it. Look, look at the clout behind everyone, me. Everyone, everyone. If they believe in me, you should. Uh, and, then, and then we get to watch Killian Murphy go up there in in April and be like, "Cheers very much. It's really great honor. See you later." And Bradley Cooper's <laughs> weeping. <laughs> to his big is, nose. I, I hope he doesn't get all wrapped up in that because I think there's far too good a filmmaker there to yeah. in in wed himself so deeply to what is essentially a big party for the rich people to have hors d'oeuvres and slap each other. Yeah, well the thing is the problem he, the problem he raises if he gets into this this rut, we're gonna have another Clooney on our hands where oh, God. you end up making the last eight films you've made, I can't tell you a single thing. I know they ex- they exist. The but Monuments Men. I can tell you the Monuments Men because I remember the Monuments Men trailer looking really exciting, and then watching the film going, no, even by dad standards, no, no, that the, boy, the boys in the boat coming in January, is it? I'm not. You know what? It was not in my list of most anticipated for 2024. No, that's the problem. We, we, yeah, how he went from good night and good luck to all this schmaltzy shit is 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 beyond me. And I love schmaltzy shit. To be fair though, I didn't hate the tender bar. I quite enjoyed that. Oh no, I actually get yeah, tender, but then that's because Benny, Benny boy. That's hey, guys. what am I? Some kind of fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Add Affleck and I'm, I'm in. You're in. So that was a cheat. Yes. But uh, no, I've enjoyed this. Uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed this too. It's a little bonus episode just to keep you tie- tied it over until uh, season two. Keep it tight, keep it tidy, etc. Um, we're currently formulating our plan. Brad finally watched a film that I've been nagging him to watch for a really long time. Uh, and that was my Christmas present, Catharsis, as he loved it. You will find that what, what that was in season two, absolutely for certain. Um, but until then, Bradley, thank you for your time. Merry Christmas, pal. Merry Happy Christmas, listeners. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking in with us. Someone downloaded episodes of us yesterday, like 20 people or 20 episodes. But like, respect. 
thanks for that appreciate yeah, that I've, I've i've heard some i've i've not shared the the positive reviews with you but people in person have spoken to me about it um and have listened to it so that's nice i always say i don't know why you've done that yep for because fans we of, can't we can't accept compliments no for fans of bickering i've i keep calling it yeah which you know Actually, I, that's what it is yeah. uh but yeah happy new year to you all i hope 2024 is better than 2023 uh, even if we were having a good 2023, I'd still want you to have a better 2024, yeah. but this 2023 has been pretty shit. We want everything uphill. Yes, unless it's a cycle race. That's a great way to... <laughs> I mean, we we nearly made it a whole way through without something awkward, but there's the awkward pause. There it is. I, I think you get rid of this bit and just have... Or just have the music playing over this bit. I think so. Yeah, probably. Oh no, that was a. It's a new day. Yeah, never mind. Famously not our theme song. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Bye. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Oh.